I know all the little children have left, and I know you've just been seated. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray as we begin to look at God's Word. Father, we uh, thank you that Christ is a cornerstone, a foundation on which we can build our lives. And Father, we thank you that your hand is over our life and uh, that, Father, you've not only been moving human history, but uh, your hand has been on our life. You're moving our history. And so, Father, we uh, pray today uh, that as we get down to the details of our life that uh, your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Uh, Father, whatever the detail is to our story today, whatever the circumstance in which we find ourselves, uh, Father, that we just need your hand to be on and in. And Father, whatever point that uh, your Spirit would speak to our hearts about of where we're not aligned with you, we just uh, pray that you would uh, speak to us about that and you would teach us from your word today and uh, wouldn't just be information to our brains, but it would be life. And so, Father, we trust that to you and we pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Um, in 2019, we have been uh, looking at the Bible in its entirety from 30,000 feet. Uh, not the little minute uh, stories, but uh, the big picture, one big story. And the truth is that the Bible has a theme and it has a primary actor and that is God and it relates to us human history and so we've we started the year from creation we've gone to fall we've gone gone to Abraham we found ourselves in the life of Moses and the redeeming of God's people from from Egypt and this morning we come to Mount Sinai and I want to set this picture for you in the midst of the story that so you'll get it I'm a visual guy and so I see things I'm not saying like necessarily visions from God but you know I see things not just abstract truth, but in my brain. And this is what I see. And this is what the story tells us when we start in Exodus chapter 14, that uh, he led them out of Egypt that night of Passover. And uh, uh, he led them, I always think of Shane Stover when I think of this, a cloud by day, a fire by night, you know, lead us to freedom again. He leads them out and he has a path for them and they are going to Mount Sinai because that was the place that Moses had encountered God. And he said, when you deliver the people, when I deliver the people and you lead them out, bring them the, to this mountain and I will meet with them there. And uh, so they, they go to Mount Sinai. It is in the wilderness. It is desolate. There is a mountain range there. And there's a peak where Moses will meet with God. And there's over two million of them in the wilderness. Do you know how they're eating? Hmm. God's given them manna every morning. God's miraculously providing water. Uh, the first quail hunt was actually also in Exodus, you know. <laughs> God, amen. I'm thinking, mm, I'm thinking of some West Texas quail wrapped in bacon. But anyhow, that's not, no, that's not, doesn't have anything to do with the sermon this morning. You know, he's bringing them meat. And uh, the scene I get is that God has their attention. 
And actually what I see is what I would have done, particularly to my boys when they were younger, not so much my girls, but my boys. When I needed to get their attention, of course, Byron's got facial hair now. It's not the same effect. You'd reach out, you'd get down on their level. You'd get their chubby little cheeks, and you'd grab their sweet little faces, and you'd say, I need you to listen to me because I have something very important to tell you. Byron or Hayden. Now all you have to do with the girls is just look at them. They cry and they go to their rooms. And <laughs> converse, you end up giving them a $20 bill or inflation kicked in. It ended up being 40 or 50 and It's like, if you would just stop crying, would you take the money and stop crying? <laughs> yes, Daddy. But nails are more than they used to be, so I'm going to need 40 now. Anyhow, that's not here. But anyhow, what I get is the sin. I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry, y'all. God's got their attention. And here's, here's what it is. This is crazy. There's no map today that I can show you. Uh, there's no timeline this week because this is what it is. They're at one location for almost a full year. Get this. In the desert. People that have lived in the land of Goshen, a, a fertile land, have never been I don't think most of them had never ever been to the desert. They were slaves. And he brings them out and he takes them to this mountain. And he takes care of them there. And it's like God took their chubby little cheeks and says, I have something very important to say to you. And they're there, get it people, for almost a year. From Passover until the next Passover. And they didn't get there until six or seven weeks in uh, from the Passover Here's what strikes me. Um, so I don't know what sermon we're on. Maybe this is about the ninth one or something. I don't know. Um, but we have gone from Genesis 1 to Exodus 13 last week. That's 63 chapters. Now, I understand the book of Job was also inserted in there, so there's more than that. But just starting at the front of the Bible. And we've taken maybe about eight slices of that. And that's covered over 2,500 years, 2,500 years, 63 chapters of the Bible, and then this is what happens. One year, the next 62 chapters of the Bible are recorded. In less than a year, it's time. 2,500 years, we got that in in 63 chapters. The next year, 62 chapters in which, here it is, God goes into great detail about the covenant that he and the people have. That's where the chubby cheeks come in. God says there's something very important I need to tell you and I need you to listen. And God goes into great detail about what that covenant is to be about. And we're going to talk about that this morning. And really the word that I want you to hear is the word detail. I mean, let's just be honest. Some of you who committed to reading your Bible through, many a great saint has fallen in my, their commitment to read the Bible through in the book of Leviticus. 
That's why we just we just gonna like woo. You gonna go? Oh my, we made it. Brother Daryl breezed through the book of Leviticus. That wasn't any problem this morning. We're gonna go for sixty-two chapters from Exodus fourteen through the book of Leviticus through the first eight uh, chapters of Numbers, and it's one year, one location, Mount Sinai, and God says there's some details I need to go over with you and he's going to talk about the details of the covenant and as I thought about this and I thought about your life uh, what I realized in the big picture is that God is into the details God is into the details in fact <clears throat> what he says what God says in that one year segment I, I, I didn't know how to Google this I guarantee you what God speaks in that one year has to be twice of what he has spoken in the last 2,500 years. I don't, I don't know how to do that because I don't know. But somehow, those first 63 chapters, what did God say? And it's kind of general. I mean, God deals with uh, Adam and Eve and he deals with Noah and Abraham and he goes into some specifics with Abraham about a land and descendants uh, and a blessing. But most of it's just kind of general. And all of a sudden, in a year's time, I guarantee you, he doubles his word output and just goes over and over and over great detail. I want you to know this morning, on a practical level, that God is into the details not just of human history, but God is in the details of your life. Um, God is not so great that he does not know what is going on in your life. In the smallest details, there is no circumstance that is insignificant in your life to God. Now, Daryl Smith's little pea brain, is that a good term? Pea brain? Yeah, descriptive, but I don't know. If, yeah. I cannot comprehend a God. But you know what I realized? We saw it in creation, and the more scientific knowledge we have, we know that God created at such an incredible level, at the smallest level, of living matter that it just blows scientists minds think about that if God created in that way God just didn't like go okay let me throw out some matter here and see how this thing goes no down to the minutest detail if that is the God who created us why would we think there is something in my life that God's hand is not on and in and I think for some of you today, the question is, what is that detail of my circumstances that today I need to surrender to the hand of God? I tell you today, God is not so great that he doesn't know and care about that, about that detail to your life. You know, that's kind of a positive thought to say that God is in the details. There's kind of a flip side to that that's a little bit negative. 
And it may apply to some of us today. There's also no area of your life that God looks at and goes, Oh, well, that's all right. Hmm, I guess we'll just kind of overlook that. No, God knows about every circumstance of my life. And God is concerned about every action and attitude. <laughs> what I do and what I do not do in my life. And there's nothing that God just dismisses and goes, Well, I'm going to let that slide. No. God is in that detail also. And you know, there may be, that may be at the end of the sermon this morning, that may be the point that you're at that God speaks to you about to say, God, there's something in my life that doesn't align with you and your holiness. And God, I know you don't overlook it, and therefore this morning I'm not going to overlook it. God, I need you to come and change me to deal with that area, even if it's a small detail of my life. Uh, God is in the details. There's nothing that God misses in the circumstances of our life or in any aspect of our life. Um, they get to Mount Sinai. Let me read. I've got two sections I kind of want to read to bookend our discussion today. Uh, Exodus chapter 19. God has led them out of Egypt, and he's brought them to Mount Sinai. It is the same mountain where Moses encountered God in the burning bush and God spoke to him and God commanded Moses when you get them out of Egypt bring them to this mountain and it says in Exodus chapter 19 verse 3 and Moses went up to God <laughs> and the Lord called to him from the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people and all the earth for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation these are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel so Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud. 
that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. In this initial encounter with God and the people and Moses on Mount Sinai, Moses goes up on the mountain, and, and this is the initial agreement to the covenant. I will be your God if you will be my people. And everything I command you, you must be willing to do. Now, actually, God hadn't given details at this point. Are you willing to enter into this covenant with me? And the people said, yes. And Moses goes back up on the mountain. Kind of, it's kind of funny to me because it's like, well, God can hear them down there. He heard their answer. But Moses goes back up on the mountain and tells God what the people said down there below. And so now for, it's 50 chapters or so, and there's some narrative stories in there. God goes over the details. Oh, okay, you're willing. You'll be a special people to me. Now let me go over the details of what is involved in being the people of God. What it means to serve a holy God and what does that holiness look like in your own life. And Moses, many of y'all know, goes up on the mountain after this for 40 days. And um, One thing of note, just for future reference in the storyline... There is a young man who is introduced into the narrative by the name of Joshua. Very interesting. We'll cover him soon. Um, I guess two weeks from now. Joshua is the assistant to Moses. And what it describes is he goes up onto the mountain with Moses. And later when Moses' tent is the tabernacle, it says that Joshua would go with him and when Moses would leave, Joshua would stay there. God was preparing a successor for a Moses, for Moses, and it was going to be this young man, Joshua, who was Moses' assistant. So Joshua goes up on the mountain with Moses for 40 days and some of you know the stories. God writes the Ten Commandments on stone and I don't know, there's, there's more to the story. He has to do it twice, actually. But, but God begins to detail the covenant of who God is and who they are to be. And I've kind of summarized this just with five aspects, and it's on your sheet. And this is the way we're going to cover it. God speaks to them about the moral law. Um... Part of what God shares in these 50 plus chapters of just talking about the details of the covenant is this is how you are to treat one another. And it's amazing the detail and the repetition that God goes into to go, hey, now, now, so if you've borrowed your neighbor's axe axe, and you break that handle, this is the way you are to deal with that. It's things like that. It's like amazing the detail. But this is how you are to treat one another. Now, there was a point to this. They did not know this. They were, in essence, a law unto themselves, and they decided in their culture what was right and wrong, but the peoples they lived around had different standards. God said, I want to make it very clear how you are to treat your brother and how related to marriage or business. All of these things, God went over the details. These are the things that you ought to do and to not do. These are my holy standards. So part of what God shares in this, all of these chapters 
is the moral law. The second aspect of it is uh, the religious calendar. So God goes into great detail about their year. He's already told them at Passover, this is going to be a beginning month for you, and every year you're going to celebrate the Passover. And then at the next seven days, you're going to do the seven days of unleavened bread, and it's going to remind you of the time that you were in the wilderness and you fled, and you didn't have time for your bread to rise. And every year you're going to do that. You're going to remember the, um, the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Seven weeks after that is Pentecost, and Pentecost actually means 50 um, in the Greek, but it comes seven weeks, 49, 50 days, and it commemorates, it's Pentecost, it com- it's, it's the uh, first fruits. It, these are known by agricultural concepts, but also religious concepts, and so uh, this is when you harvest the first of the wheat harvest, you're going to have um, the Feast of Ingathering, First Fruits, Pentecost is what it became known as. And, um, but it's going to commemorate when I gave you the law on Mount Sinai, which was seven weeks. They got to Sinai, and God began to speak seven weeks after Passover. Every year, this is when all the men are going to gather. Uh, the other thing uh, in the fall was going to be a festival of harvest. It starts with trumpets and then uh, the, the feast of, uh, would become known as tabernacles and it would commemorate their times that they wandered in the wilderness. Mm, they don't necessarily know this yet. Mm, for 40 years. That'll be next Sunday. And they're, actually on your sheet there are two other uh, religious holidays for the Jews that they adopted later. But initially there are these Three. So God sets forth a calendar. It's not just a, a yearly calendar, but it's a monthly calendar, and it's a weekly calendar. And so he said, hey, on the seventh day, you're to rest. And so he goes over all this detail of this is the way life is going is to go. The other part that he goes into great detail on and repeats is about the sacrifices. Brother Daryl doesn't, I don't know. I talked to Brother Barry. He can, he can tell you the difference between all those things. I don't know. There's, there's a peace sacrifice and there's a trans pass, trans, yeah, there's things. And whether you're guilty of this or you do this, then bring this and that. And just great detail of these sacrifices. And so if you violate the law, then this is what you are to do. But there's more to it. There were to be daily sacrifices. There were to be weekly sacrifices, there were to be monthly sacrifices, and then there were some sacrifices that were just yearly. And God goes into great detail about how you are to sacrifice. The fourth aspect of this, great detail, is the tabernacle. Okay, he's going to give them the dimensions of the curtains and the poles that stand up and what is to be uh, shown, the artistry that's to be on those curtains and then there's going to be an inner curtain and inside that inner curtain there's going to be uh, the ark of the covenant and he eventually tells them what's going to be inside that ark and that's the mercy seat and then outside that then there's going to be a table for the showbread Um, uh, there's going to be a candelabra kind of thing going on you know they're going to be and then there's a table of incense and then there's the altar that when they kill the animal they put the blood on that altar uh, there's probably some other things that Brother Daryl's supposed to remember now, and you can go back and look at that detail. 
But here's the funny thing. It's funny to me. It's not. God will tell Moses, and it's recorded in the scripture. Hey, Moses. Hey, this is the way, this is what we're going to build, okay? Chapter after chapter after chapter the tabernacle. Moses comes down from the mountain. He tells the people, oh, this is what we're going to build. Chapter after chapter. He's telling them what God said. I'm thinking, didn't we just read this? Couldn't he have just said, just refer back to the previous five chapters? No, no, no. We're going to go over this. And here's the crazy thing. Then they'll build it. You know what they record? All the details again. This is, so this is what the guy built. Blah, 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 blah. And they'll tell it like three times, and you're going, why? And as I studied that this week, and I go, what's, what's the point here? God is into the details. And I don't always know why. I actually know a little bit why. We don't have time to talk about it today. God said, no, this is the way you're going to do it. It's kind of like the building of the ark. God didn't just show up to Noah and go, hey, listen, I'm about to send a big flood. I'd suggest you to build a really big boat. And I'd start today. No, God goes through this great detail. And that's what I get when you come to the tabernacle, the sacrifices, even the moral code. We don't have time to go through some of those stories. Seriously? That was the scenario? You said this might happen, therefore you ought to do this? Okay. All right. God is a God of detail. And let me just show my hand a little bit. It all stems from his holiness. In which God said, I am creator. I am redeemer. And you will, (laughs) the implication is, you will do it my way. And I want to make it very clear. It's kind of like the boys, you know. Hayden. Let me say this very specifically. You cannot be in the treehouse with the chainsaw running. No. Well, Daddy, you never told me. I'm telling you now, chubby cheek little boy, only something bad could happen, Hayden. You with the chainsaw in the treehouse, okay? I, I don't know. I'm sorry. That's what I get here. God's going, no, let me go over some things. And if I haven't told you this before, I'm going to tell you now. And I really think he doubles his word count just in that one year to go over these specifics. We come to the book of Leviticus and the priest. Um, The priests are from the tribe of Levi because Moses is of the tribe of Levi. And his older brother, three years older, Aaron, becomes the high priest. And actually, the priestly line doesn't just come from the tribe of Levi, one of the 12 tribes, but it comes from within the tribe of Levi. It comes through Aaron's line. That's where all the priests are going to come. And the book of Leviticus, but there's also there's a general responsibility for the tribe of Levi of transporting the tabernacle and such. The book of Leviticus... Probably ought to know what that word means, but I just I see the Levi in that. These are the instructions for the Levites, the priestly tribe, about the sacrifices, the calendar, the tabernacle. This is how you're supposed to take care of your business, and we're going to devote a whole book to it. But there's great detail down to what the priests are wearing. And I don't even know what some of those things are. 
There's ephods and there's breastplates and there's crowns and there's, I, they've, got, they've got bling and stuff going on. Um, all of this detail. He goes over in this section about not only their garments but uh, the oils they are to burn and the incense. And this lengthy section in Leviticus on what is clean and unclean. We don't even have time to discuss that this morning because we're flying at 30,000 30, feet. And then if we just had to complete this morning our, our section of Scripture, we come to the book of Numbers of the first eight chapters. Guess what they do in the book of Numbers? This is not difficult, people. They number the people. It seemed a little obvious. There's a census. And this is where we know that there are over 600,000 men over 20 years of age. That's where we get scholars looking and go, well, there had to be over 2 million of them because there's 600,000 of the 12. And actually, it's just 11 tribes because they don't include the, the tribe of Levi. is not included. It's not a part of that census. But they, they number the people and here's the thing, God, the God of details, he organizes the tribes. I mean, God's like a detail person. He goes, this is what we're going to do. When you get through building that tabernacle I told you to in number four, you're going to put that tabernacle right in the middle of the camp. Anytime you travel, boom, it's going to be dead center. God was saying, because I'm, I'm, I'm to be in the midst of this. And the tribe of Levi is going to put their tents around the tabernacle. And then he said, on the east side of the tabernacle, we're going to have these three tribes. One, two, three. On the north side, we're going to have four, five, six. And, and so forth. You know, east, north, south, west. And he, and he names the tribes. And here's the crazy thing. He says, when the trumpet sounds, the Levites are going to pack up that tabernacle and the stuff, and they're going to head out. And then we're going to start in the east. And the first tribe, God says this, that's going to lead us all out, the tribe of Judah. We don't even know why yet. The tribe of Judah. It'll be the first tribe to march out. It's not the oldest son. I don't Why? Because God is into the details. And God said, someday you're going to see why. But the point is, follow the details. That I give you. If I had to read one last scripture as the bookend in Leviticus chapter 20, and this isn't exactly the end of the time at Mount Sinai, but it represents that. Leviticus 20, verse 22. It says, you shall therefore keep all, heavy on the word all, my statutes and all my judgments and perform them that the land where I am bringing you to dwell may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the statutes of the nations which I am casting out before you, for they commit all these things, therefore I abhor them. But I have said to you, you shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has separated you from the peoples. You shall therefore distinguish between clean animals and unclean, 
between unclean birds and clean. And you shall not make for yourselves abominable by beast, make yourselves abominable by beast or by bird or by any kind of living thing that creeps on the ground, which I have separated from you as unclean. And here it is, verse 26. And you shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. God is a holy God. He is the one who has the standards of right and wrong. And the people whom he has redeemed are called to be holy people, or as he describes here, separated from the nations. Why did God go over all these details? Because these are the things that all the people were doing, and God's people had not had any specific revelation of how am I supposed to live as a person who is redeemed by God, and God said, I'm going to go over it. And here's all the stuff, 62 chapters worth. You are to be different from them because you are redeemed, you are me, and my holiness is to be reflected in you. And I don't have time really to talk about this this morning, but the law is a reflection of God's character. It is his values. It is who he is. God does not come up with a bunch of rules because he's just like, mm, let me see, what would make them miserable? Hmm, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to give them this little rule. <laughs> no, the law comes from the character of God who is our creator, who set us up, who said if you want to live a life to its fullness, here's the specifics, here's the details of what is right and what is wrong. God does it out of love so that we might experience the best of Him and life in His creation. But the thing I want to end with and the thing that strikes me the most as I just flew over this week all of these chapters it is this truth that all of life is integrated. It's not that God said, well, now here's, a, here's the civil law and here's the religious law. No, it's all mixed in. It's integrated within itself. He didn't say, well, now here's the moral law, but now we have the legal law. No, all of those things about the tabernacle, the calendar, are mixed in with the sacrifices and the priestly code and the moral law. Here it is. Because there's not two parts of our life that is the sacred and, and the earthly. Not the spiritual and the physical. God said, no, if you're the redeemed of me, all of life is the same. You cannot distinguish between uh, what is religious in my life or what is not religious or what I'm obligated to do legally but not morally. No, 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 no. People. 2019, you cannot compartmentalize your life into part of it that is God's and part of it is just, well, 
that's my life that I live. You can't live, leave for work in the morning and go, well, I'm going to work, but that doesn't have anything to do with God. I'm just going to work to earn a living. No, it doesn't work like that. God says everything's, it's all mixed up. It's all integrated. If you're my redeemed, you are to be holy because I am a holy God. And so I want to end with this this morning. What is, what is the detail of your life? What is that circumstance that, quite honestly, you just live with? It's like, well, I don't know that God's really concerned about that. That circumstance, well, God's really got too much on his mind. He, I'm saying, what is the circumstance in your life that you need to say to God, God, I need your hand to be on and in. And it doesn't matter how small it is because God knows about it and he cares about it. Here's the thing. He wants to be a part of that. On the flip side of that, though, what is the area of your life that you've excused? You've exempted from holiness. Somehow in your brain, I do the same thing. I say, well, God understands that doesn't really matter. Attitude, action, something you do, you don't do. God is holy. He is completely holy. And when we are the redeemed, he has expectations that we would be completely holy like Him. There are no areas of our life that are exempt from the holiness of God. And for some of you this morning, there's something in your life that you've excused by saying, well, surely God understands. And well, you know, 99% of it, uh, you know, I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job in. And so I don't guess this is really a big deal. Suppose I made a pot of chicken noodle soup. And it was real tasty. And I invited you to come over. And as I'm cooking it, I'm finishing up, I'm about to serve it, a fly comes by and I swat it. And I pick up that fly and I throw it in the chicken noodle soup and I just stir it around and I said, are you ready to eat? You go, oh no, I think I'm okay. What's the problem? Well, there's a fly in there. Well, the fly is actually like one thousandth of the whole volume, let's just be honest. And the chances of you getting the fly in the ladle I'm going to scoop out for you is not really, I mean, what are the chances? You're going to be okay. And in your brain, you would say no. 
And I'm saying God says the same thing. And somehow we say, well, you know, I'm doing pretty good. It's, but I'm telling you, God's into the details. And he is completely holy and wants us to be completely holy. Uh, I want us to stand this morning. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for some help. Um, I'm, uh, Brother Sammy, Brother Cody, Brother Gary, Brother Sean, Brother Eddie, would y'all come up? And I'm going to ask y'all, and Brother Byron and I are going to be at the front too. Um, and y'all, if y'all will just, a couple of y'all get over there maybe, that's fine. And this, I want to do something different this morning. Um, I want the invitation to be uh, an opportunity for you to um, take care of the detail that God has spoken to your heart about. And, and actually, you don't have to talk to any of us men if you don't want to. Um, you can come to the altar and pray. And that's all right. But what I want to say is if you need somebody to pray with and say, would you pray with me about this? And it it may be a a detail of your life that you say, I just need God in this area that I know he knows about and he's concerned about and he wants his hand to be in and on. Would you just pray with me about that detail of my life? But also there may be um, an area of your life that you've excused, that you've said God understands, and uh, you say it doesn't matter. But I'm telling you, the details do matter to God. And whether you come to the altar or you just ask one of these men to say, this is what's in my life and I just need God's hand to be in it and on it. Uh, You can come talk to me. You can talk to Byron. Uh, if this morning there's a decision you need to make uh, about the church, maybe you've been saved recently and you need to be baptized and the detail of your life <laughs> is obedience to baptism, then maybe just come talk to me so that I can present you to the church. Um, it may be about joining our church if that's what God leads you to. And if, if not, then that's all right. But if that's, if that's the detail of your life, it's that, if that is the point of obedience to a God who is all holy, then we're going to ask you to come. And so, um, Brother Shane's going to lead us. Um, if you want to come pray with one of these men, if you want to come to the altar, if you want to talk to Byron and I, we're here as we deal with the details of our life today. Oh,